To a very special Thanksgiving. What's it's not Thanksgiving Eve. Thanksgiving is the night before. What's the day after something, Jen? Post. Post. Yeah. So welcome to a very post Thanksgiving episode of Broadway Radio's Some Like a Pop podcast. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined by the voice that you've already heard, the brains of the operation, Broadway Radio and Broadway stars, Los Angeles Bureau Chief Jennifer McHugh. Jen, we were just talking before we started recording. You are quite the cook. And Thanksgiving has worn you down. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm so tired. And how many people were you cooking for? Two. Yes. And a cat. Two and a cat. Oh, no. She had the right idea. She slept the entire day. Oh, God. That's goals right there. Hashtag goals. Um, but we are here to talk today because on Thanksgiving proper, there was not one, but two broadcasts that featured tons of theater related content that happen every year on Thanksgiving day. Of course, they all revolve around the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. NBC has the main parade broadcast and all of the actual on the street performances. CBS also shows on the street stuff, but they pepper in two extra uh, Broadway performances from the actual homes of theaters this year. Those were Chicago and Waitress. On the broadcast itself, we saw performances from Moulin Rouge, Six, and Wicked. And then we also got a performance from Annie Live from the Radio City Rockettes and from the theater tangential musical comedy Peacock streaming television show Girls 5 Eva. So, um, Jen, you and I decided, since this is kind of in the wheelhouse of that Venn diagram of our pop culture and theater loving selves, we decided we wanted to talk through all of these performances and uh, kind of see how well they worked, how well they maybe didn't, and um, talk a little bit about the parade in general. So let's start off with Annie Live. You and I have talked a lot over the years about these live musicals, and um, Annie Live opened the the parade itself on on NBC with a performance by uh, Selena Smith playing Annie and Harry Connick Jr. playing Daddy Warbucks, or Zaddy Warbucks, as Grace likes to call him. Um, and then a bunch of the ensemble folks. So, Jen, what did you think about their two songs that they sang, Anything But You, and then um, the solo iconic song, Tomorrow? Well, I have a personal attachment to um, I Don't Need Anything But You because I performed it when I was six years old. So I oh, wow. you know, stood up in the living room and did all the choreography and sang much to the delight of my boyfriend and my cat who just stared at me awkwardly, mm -hmm. but I thought she was, she was adorable and um, quite full of poise for that age, which always astonishes me when anyone who plays Annie um, and he, you know, his vel velvet voice is wonderful. I hope he doesn't dance a lot. Cause is, is his velvet voice wonderful? Cause I thought he sounded horrible. I thought he sounded fine. <laughs> See, I and I've said this when they cast him, I said this, I think I was talking with Grace on today on Broadway. I remember and, and you probably don't remember because you probably didn't even know this because this is not something you care about generally. But Harry Connick Jr. was one of the judges on the final seasons of American Idols run on Fox. And I remember him performing because they have like the, the judges perform on like the finales or whatever. And I was like, holy crap, Harry Connick Jr. sounds awful. And this was a decade ago and i was a huge harry connick jr fan like red light blue light was one of my favorite albums when i was younger 
I think he sounds really, really bad. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little worried. Not that Daddy Warbucks has to be a, a great singer, but I thought he was very ill-equipped to sing that song at the parade. And he wasn't even singing, honestly, because we all know that they're lip syncing. Yeah, I didn't really notice. I was focused on his bald cap and oh, his dancing. Yeah, both bad. <laughs> both bad. Dancing and the bald cap were, were quite not good. Quite not good. Yes, yeah. but she was uh, angelic, and it's it's really about her. So Yeah. Well, and the rest of this cast, too. You and I haven't had a chance to necessarily talk about this, but um, we've had a few changes in the cast, but it is being led by Taraji P. Henson as Miss Hannigan, which I think is just brilliant casting. We also have Titus Burgess as her brother, Rooster Hannigan. Um, he was supposed to be being paired with his Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt co-star, uh, Jane Krakowski, but she had to leave due to a... Um, a breakthrough case of COVID. She was replaced with um, the great Megan Hilty. We're also going to have Nicole Scherzinger, or to us Masked Singer fans, Sherlock Scherzinger, um, uh, playing Grace Farrell. Um, and then we've got some other folks sprinkled in there. Originally, Andrea McArdle, the original um, Annie, was going to be Eleanor Roosevelt, but she's had to depart the production due to um, uh, some sort of family issue. So we wish her the best. Um, but, uh, on a scale of one to 10, Jen, what is your interest level in this, um, production that's going to happen a week from Thanksgiving, Thursday, December 2nd on NBC? Now, did you, were you too young for this when it was on Broadway? Did you ever see it? I did not. No, I, I, I didn't, okay. see, I didn't see my first Broadway show till 1998. I saw my first show was bring into noise, bring into funk. Okay. This was my first okay, Broadway cool. show. So I'm a little more attached to it. I, I mean, stepping back from it, I can see why people don't like it, but I'm also skeptical of live musicals because I've only, there's only been one that's really wowed me. And well, which one um, was that? Which one was that? Jesus Christ Jesus, Superstar? Jesus yeah. Christ Superstar. Yeah. yeah. Um, are they having an audience, do you know, or are they doing it more like Grease Live where they're roaming through the streets and stuff? They, they will be having an audience. They tickets were available, um, uh, for people to get, but, but I don't know if it's, you know, cause Greece had an audience too in different scenes. So I don't know if it's like all in front of one audience or in front of multiple audiences peppered on different sets and sound stages. Uh, but there will be people there, which I think is always good. Well then to answer your question, probably about a seven, I think I'm going to record it and just skip mm. to the numbers because the dialogue mm. is, you know, irrelevant. Yeah. I, I'm a big Annie fan. Like I think it's a show that, because of how treacly that people think it is, it kind of gets a bad name, but it's a really well-written show. Um, and I think it really stands up. I think the comedy is great, especially when you get some really good folks. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do here. Um, Lyra de Bessonet is the director, and I think she is one of the most interesting people working in New York theater. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what she does with this property that is known you know, far and wide, but I don't think people really know the show. I think most people know it from the film, um, but I'm interested to see what happens. I'm sure we'll talk about it after it happens. But um, in terms of the parade numbers, I thought I, I agree with you. Uh, Selena Smith was fantastic and really looking forward to seeing her in the full production next week. I will say, I mean, Easy Street is in my kills. top five of all time. Yeah, kills. It so kills every time. I will always tune in for that no matter who's doing it. Yeah, and Titus Burgess and Megan Hilty are two of the best singing comedians working, so I'm sure they will kill it. For sure. And it's hard to top Alan Cumming and Kristen Chenoweth, but mm -hmm. I'm excited to see it. I mean, or or um, Bernadette Peters and Tim Curry, either. 
you know, it's it's tough Precisely, to, to the top any of them. Perfect yeah. for those roles. Yeah. All right. So then I, I will say um, my sister texted me. My sister lives in Las Vegas. So she was watching it on, you know, the delay. She texted me and said, um, really wasn't overwhelmed by Harry Connick Jr. But my six year old nephew, Joey, um, apparently loved Selena Smith. So they're going to be watching Annie live um, based off of how much he loved her performance as well. So that's kind of cool. All right, so next up, we got a number from Moulin Rouge, the musical, starring uh, Natalie Mendoza as uh, Satine. They did this song. Oh, it's not a song. It's really a medley of, of mashup songs uh, called Sparkling Diamond. Um, yeah, this. Ooh, uh, Jen, what did you think about this one? It was it was odd. I mean, it was bad. For, I mean, I've never seen Moulin Rouge on stage. Mm hmm. But to me, it seems like a, a vibe, like it's an atmosphere, it's an experience. Yes. And just plucking something out of the middle of it, it was just like, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, it was be honest, odd. I'll be honest with you. Most of the songs feel like that in the show, too. Um, I was having this conversation with a few folks on Twitter following, you know, all of this stuff. And to me, the problem with Moulin Rouge, the musical is that it completely misunderstands why Moulin Rouge, the movie is good. Um, and like the heart and the character and the underdogness of it, um, is really lost. And when you see a, a number like this, where it's just like, you know, obviously the glitz and glamour of it is inherent in the songs that they choose because it's you know, diamonds are a girl's best friend and all of those things. But like, it just feels weird. And I got to tell you, Natalie Mendoza, who was in the original Moulin Rouge film, um, now she's playing Satine. She missed the mark completely for me. And this I saw, you know, Karen Olivo twice in the role on Broadway. And I thought the show was fine then. But you're right. It is very much more an atmosphere piece. This was bad. And, and this was not her her fault. But it seemed to me from start to finish in all of these numbers that there was a a sinking issue that the audio that, that we were hearing terrible yeah obviously not there not the performer's fault but it was there was a major delay between what we were saying and what we were hearing but that really threw me off i can ignore it um if the performances are good and entertaining otherwise this was not um so it was it was really a problem for me yeah i noticed it most on chicago which yeah. we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. And that was on because, a different network even. Yeah. And I can ignore it for the most part, but when it's Fosse dancing, which is timed to every beat mm -hmm. and it's two beats behind, it was driving me nuts. I had to turn it off. Well, okay. Well, spoiler alert on that one. Um, so yeah, was not impressed with Moulin Rouge's number. Um, I thought it was interesting that they went with Natalie Mendoza for the performance, considering that Aaron Tveit is the Tony winner and probably the most recognizable face to American households um in that show i also would have thought that maybe danny burstein who does such a great job of kind of emceeing the show and opening the show but then again they've been with it forever maybe they just said no i'm not doing it i'm not, i've got it in my contract i'm not doing the parade um but anyway so especially because natalie mendoza's only i mean she's been in the show since it reopened but she's been out a lot her standby uh ashley loren has been on quite a bit um but anyway um next up we've actually got, already seen danny burstein in, in something this week but i won't oh, spoil yeah. it for you <laughs> yeah i haven't watched it yet but i know what it is um next up was six and we did have 
um, the six queens from the show minus one because there's an understudy on for Andrea McCassett who plays Anne Boleyn. Um, they did the kind of songs that opened the show, Ex-Wives and Six. Now, Jen, you have not seen Six. How much do you know of the show and the show's music? I, I, if you, if you gave me a five, six, seven, eight, I could sing the entire okay. recording for you right now. Okay, five, six, seven, eight. Divorced. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you are well acquainted with this show. Um, again, syncing issues, not their fault. Um, but what did you think of of their performance? Well, not only am I familiar with the show, I. Uh, studied Henry VIII extensively. So like, I know the history very well. Um, I, every, every time I see them perform, I think it's, it's fantastic. I know you've seen it twice. Mm -hmm. And of the performances I saw in the parade, this was my favorite by far. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I, I, again, the syncing stuff kind of took me out because it is such a quickly timed jumping between people song. Um, But they don't miss. And like, I think that's the beauty of the show. No matter what cast you're seeing, it's the UK cast, the UK tour, the, the Broadway cast, or even the Norwegian cruise lines cast. Not that I've seen them, but like they, it's such a tightly written show. But like, if you have people who can sing it and are, are competent performers, it's going to land. And I totally agree that this one landed super, super well. I don't know that it was the crispest performance that I saw at the parade, but I do agree that it was probably the most impactful and probably sold more tickets than any other show. It was fun explaining to my mother what it was. She said, what was that? What was that thing with the six ladies who looked yeah. like they were from the future? And I just started, I just <laughs> thought it was hilarious. I mean, she's not wrong. They they do kind of look Mad Maxian. Yeah, it's like a post-apocalyptic view of the past. Tudor England. Yeah, Tudor, <laughs> Tudor England through the eyes of uh, Tina people. Turner in Thunderdome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so very, very uh, good performance from them. Next up was actually the one that I thought was the tightest, and it probably makes sense because it's been running on Broadway for 18 years. Um, and that was Wicked. They did One Short Day. Um, I don't know that there's anything necessarily to say about this performance for me other than it's wicked. They did the number very well. Um, uh, Jenny Danola um, as Alphabet, and I did not catch the name of the woman who was playing Glenda, but it was good. It was solid. It was wicked. Um, and I think it's kind of cool. We don't often see shows do multiple performances on the parade, and they did one way back in the day. And now, whatever, nearing two decades later, um, they're back there. And I thought it was a really solid number, and they did Wicked Proud. And um, I think everyone's kind of seen that number a dozen times by now, but I thought it was was really solid. I haven't seen Wicked in so long. I, I really want to see it again. Um, it holds. It holds up. It definitely I holds up. I just don't remember it. You know, I loved it so much when it came out, and I just I don't remember it at all. So seeing this was just so much fun, and green's my favorite color, so I'm a really big fan of this color palette of this show. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I thought it was... It was a really nice number. And and what's great about Wicked is as more and more people have the opportunity to see it throughout the years, it really continues to impact young people and especially young women. My 11-year-old niece loves Wicked, and it's one of the shows that really got her to become a theater lover. So that's the part of Wicked that I love. And, and while if you really break down some of the lyrics and dialogue, it ain't great. There are some things you're like, ooh that doesn't really make any sense or, you know, those, that's a really odd scansion to put into a rhyme. Um, but 
it's a show that has the this message and a show that has these melodies that really grab people and and turn them into theater lovers so anytime wicked has the opportunity to be performed on screen i i'm very much for it um and of course that also kind of leads us to the idea of the fact that it's going to be a movie and jen i feel like have we talked we've talked about the wicked casting have we not personally but not publicly no (laughs) okay so i can remember if we talked about it on a today on broadway episode that you jumped in on what are your thoughts on cynthia arrivo and ariana grande as as the witches i'm very excited about cynthia arrivo you're not i I know you texted me after the announcement came out not so much on 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 little ari huh no uh no Um, it might it might be worth it to hear I'm so excited to hear Cynthia Revo sing Defiant Gravity mm-hmm. because I feel like it's just going to bring down the house. And if I'm in a movie theater, I'll jump up and cheer. I don't care. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I'm focusing on. I'm I'm just not a fan of pop singers. And, and I know she did Broadway. I know she has a background, but she has a pop voice and I'm just not a fan. I will say I have very high hopes for her because... As I I don't watch The Voice a ton anymore, but I I will check in and she's been a, a judge this season or a coach this season, and there's been times where she will demonstrate something or sing something because they have the just like with Harry Connick Jr. American Idol, they have the judges sing stuff. Her voice, she's able to kind of go back and forth between the more poppy thing that that's made her a gazillionaire and one of the biggest stars in the world, and do a more crystalline, clear musical theater voice as well. I think she's going to be great. Um, what's interesting to me is that I think she's got more of an Elphaba of a voice than a than a than a Glenda voice, but obviously her size, like physical size, kind of makes it hard to cast her as Elphaba, I think, um, and obviously. You, you having a star like her in the film is, is huge. I think she's going to be great. And I'm really excited to see what she does with it because she's talked about wanting to get back into musical theater. Not only is she, does she have a background in musical theater, she is a legit diehard musical theater fan. We've talked about this before. Grace and I have talked about it. I don't remember if it was on air or not, but the fact that she has a go-to Carolee Carmelo impression tells you how much of a theater dork she is just to know who Carolee Carmelo is, but to have an impression of her is always kind of endeared her to me. So um, I'm excited about that. And like I said, anytime wicked is on screen and uh, has the opportunity to welcome new people into the musical theater fandom, I am for it. All right, let's move on to the first non theater performance um, of the thing that we wanted to talk about. And that is the radio city Rockettes. Now, Jen, I saw the Christmas spectacular, I guess it wouldn't have been 2020. It must have been 2019 when I saw it. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I, my mom grew up loving the Rockettes and wanting to be a Rockette, other than the fact that she's only, like, 5'4 and has never danced in her life. Um, that's not true. She did color guard or something in high school. But um, So I always kind of appreciated the Rockettes, but I never had seen one of their shows. And I really was impressed by it. I really enjoyed the whole thing. Um, and to see this number, always thoroughly impressive. Um and, uh, you know, I don't have much else beyond that, but the Rockettes kind of like Wicked are always going to turn in a great performance. Yeah, it's just uh, it just says Christmas is here. You know, here are the Rockettes. But I always think of um, a chorus line when they the one girl sings sure. Dan- Dance 10 Looks 3, <laughs> but she wanted to be a Rockette and they kicked her out because she didn't have a fan kick. So she says, screw you, Radio City and the Rockettes. I'm going to make it on Broadway. There you go. But um, that and the other line I always think of is from Something Rotten when they're singing about a musical about 
for some unexplainable reason, the crowd goes wild every time when dancers kick in unison in one yeah. big, wonderful line. <laughs> and then they do that and the crowd goes nuts. It's just so pandering. But oh my God, no, no matter who you are, you see the Rockettes get into a line. You're like, here they go. Here they go. And oh, it's shit. Just, you can't not look. Uh, my only criticism is maybe maybe a couple more people of color would be great. You know what's funny? I told you about my the Annie live text that I got from my sister. She also texted me and said, so Joey asked if only white people were allowed to be in the Rockettes um, because, like you said, almost all of them were. She said, I did point out that there were some people of color in there, but even my six-year-old nephew noticed that the Rockettes were painfully Caucasian. Yeah, it's when you're dressing all the same and you have uh, stockings on with those legs that go from your feet all the way up to your neck, it's mm. really hard to hide that it's not very white or it's yeah. all very white. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like I said, a six-year-old notices, six-year-old white boy notices that's probably a problem for the Rockets. But um, the last thing on the NBC broadcast that I wanted to touch on is um, Girls 5 Eva. They performed on top of some sort of peacocky float. And Girls 5 Eva, of course, is the uh, musical comedy that is on Peacock that stars um, Broadway greats Sarah Bareilles and Renee Elias Goldsberry, as well as comedy legend Paula Pell and um, Dawson's Creek favorite Busy Phillips. Um, they sung they sung the their the title song from that first season. The second season they are filming right now and will come out on Peacock in the spring. Um, the thing that I noticed the most was Paula Pell could not be bothered with about half of this choreography that they were supposed to be doing. And I absolutely loved that for her. Yeah. She's almost 60. Like God Damn, bless really? her. Yeah. yeah. And she's up there with the, uh, it, she, all she has to do is look at me and look at me like, like we hang out, yeah. but she makes me laugh instantaneously. And to see her up there in that fluorescent green coat next to Renee Elise Coldberry, Oh, God love her. Who is I also just, over 50, by the way. Renee Elise yeah. Goldsberry is 50, but I just, way. I, I love her. So I love them all. It's the silliest, most tension relation show that you could ever listen to. It's just turn your brain off and sit back and laugh. So it was a nice surprise. You know what else is something that I, I, I would highly recommend for people who like this? Go on. If you have Roku, you can get the Roku channel. If you don't have a Roku TV or device, go to what they are now calling Roku Originals. But this act, they actually aired on Quibi originally. Go oh, watch the Mapleworth Maple Murders, Murders, which stars Paula Pell as basically a super annoying version of Angela Lansbury's character from uh, Murder, She Wrote. It is hilarious. I haven't gotten through the entire catalog of episodes, but if you know, Quibi are like 10 little minute, uh, 10 minute little episodes. Um, it was it's super funny, had some other great people in it, um, including J.B. Smooth, who is very, very he, funny. He, uh, he won the Emmy for it. Did he? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He's great, but has great um, guest stars. Fred Armisen, Nicole Byer, Darcy Carden, um, Ike Barron holds Tina Fey. Terry Cruz, who's kind of garbage, but um, Jack McBriar, Tim Meadows, Pat Oswalt, Maya Rudolph, um, Chris Parnell, a Andy Samberg, Wanda Sykes. Like, it's just it's hilarious. And there's only 12 episodes, um, but really, really, really great fun show. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's great on AP Bio, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, so let's move over to the CBS broadcast. And um, Chicago opened that up. And Jen, you said that you had uh, the most issues with this and struggled to watch it. Just as a refresher, um, in this per- production uh, currently on Broadway, um, Velma Kelly is played by Bianca Maraquin, who has often played Roxy Hart on Broadway as well. So she made the switch between the two leads. Um, and then currently playing Roxy is Anna Villafanye. And interestingly enough, since those two um, performers are both Latinx, you also have Paolo Zott, who is um, currently playing Billy Flynn. He is Brazilian. Um, so a very um, Latinx, South American flavor to the production right now. Um, were you able to get anything from this per- performance? Be, you know, uh, Could you put the, the sinking issues aside to get anything from it? I watched the all that jazz part of it. Um and I, I mean, Chicago, it is what it is, you know, like whether it's in a theater of a hundred people or a movie theater or an arena of a thousand, a thousand of arena, a hundred thousand people in an arena, it's the same exact thing. So if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't, but I'm obsessed with Bob Fosse and I love the choreography. And that's why I had trouble watching it because um, like I said, if it's a beat off, it doesn't make sense. So yeah. I turned it off in the middle of Velma and Roxy's dance, but I think I was just really tired and hungry at that point too. So I apologize. Mm-hmm. I yes, if you like that stuff, you you definitely like it. But I kind of thought like there's just something that about this choreography that just seems so classy and classic to me. Um, even though you know. Fosse choreography is supposed to be gritty and all this stuff, but like in terms of Broadway classiness, like it's just like it carries this mystique about it that every time I see it being done and being done well, sinking and beat issues aside, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like really important stuff. And I always kind of sit up and take notice. The other thing that I noticed during that that number was that like I love the fact that CBS is giving us like full long multi-minute numbers as compared to like what we see on the you know in the actual parade route where they're short and they're cut and all that stuff and this kind of translates to the waitress one which we'll talk about here in a second but i was like good on you cbs like i i think a lot of people have issues with cbs in terms of their tony's coverage and all that stuff but look they're giving us actual legitimate musical theater numbers from their theaters uncut really and i i loved that so i really appreciated that and especially watching the this this classic iconic choreography as well well i mean he was edgy for the 60s right yeah yeah no totally i'm just saying like i didn't even mean like classy as in like ballet classy i just meant like there's a there's an elegance and a and an import to them um because it's been on broadway for so long and this iteration and you know comes from such iconic creators in the original iteration so i i didn't mean like it was polished and you know swan lake i just meant like it was it was you know it's important but i also think it's fun. like i can't sit still when i listen to it and all that jazz because i just know all the beats so well yeah and I'll, I'll snap my neck or i'll roll my shoulder or whatever because you can't fossey is so ingrained in it now that it's, it's just hard for me to sit still when i watch yeah. it yeah 
Well, that brings us to the last number, um, and this is from uh, Waitress. It was it only takes a uh, it only takes a taste. Interestingly enough, like less than a week earlier, I was sitting in the very front row of that very theater watching Jennifer Nettles sing this song. Unfortunately, at, at the performance that I saw, Eric Bergen, who was in the number on CBS, um, was out, and I saw his understudy. Um, but I thought this was really interesting, uh, Jen. I I know why they picked this number because Eric Bergen is a former. CBS star on Madam Secretary, so they wanted to have him in there, and there are very few duets. They obviously couldn't do, um, you know, Bad Decision or really, was it really bad, really good Bad Decision, whatever. They couldn't do that one um, on a early morning parade audience. Um, so I get why they did this, but I thought it was kind of weird that both of these stars are no longer in the show. They've both left already. Um, Sierra Renee started her run as Jenna on Thanksgiving Day. Um, but they also picked a song where Jennifer Nettles, the biggest star of the two, didn't sing all that much. So what did what did you think about the song selection um, before we get into the actual performance itself? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, um, and I know that you're such a huge fan of this show, but I don't know it at all. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah, I, I only I, 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 I only know that. I only know the big like number what that everyone does. Can do. Yeah, no, what baking can do, or she used to be mine. She used to be mine, yeah, from um, America's Got Talent. But <laughs> the only thing I know about the show is I, I love the movie, and then I was mm-hmm. heartbroken about the true story of the movie, and I'm getting ready to watch the documentary about it. Oh, but I didn't even know there was a documentary about it. It's coming out. Uh, it's called Adrian, and it's coming out, I think, in December. Yeah, that's uh, Adrian Shelley, who... Um, wrote the movie and originally starred in the film as Dawn was, uh, I mean, just to put it bluntly, she was murdered by her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. No, no, no. She was was murdered by a stalker, made it look like a suicide. Mm. And her boyfriend discovered her and they thought he was a suspect and they had to investigate it and found out she was murdered. Okay. Yeah. And this was, I think this happened after the film was shot, but before it had came out, correct? Right. So when it was released, she she was already passed away. Yeah, just uh, absolutely tragic. And so she died in 2006. Um, so I didn't know that there was going to be a, a documentary. I can't wait for that. Um, but, but yeah, to answer your question, um, I don't know a lot about the show. So I was entertained. I like Eric Bergen. I know him from um, Jersey Boys. Is that yeah. mm-hmm. possible? Jersey Boys on Broadway and in the movie. In the movie, right. So um I thought it was a cute song. Again, knowing a little bit about the show, it made sense. But if someone didn't know anything about it, I think it would just be a little confusing. Um, but it was it was cute. I thought it was cute. It was nice to see something other than She Used to Be Mine, honestly, because I've never seen anything else. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I, I will say, and I've said this on other episodes of, of stuff since I just so recently saw um, Jennifer Nettles. I was super impressed with her as an actress, and I know she's done a decent amount of acting. She did all this stuff with uh, Dolly Parton's Code of Many Colors, so she's not like she's coming in this completely green, and she's also been on Broadway in Chicago. Um, So uh, she's not completely, you know, new to the acting world, but I was super impressed, and I thought you could even see some of those moments um, in the CBS performance on, on Thursday where you could just kind of see, like, her reactions are like, they were sharp. They were acting, you know, actor-level sharp. They weren't, like, pop star, country star pretending to act sharp. So um, while I would have loved for them to have picked a 
number that showed off her vocals a little bit more because I thought she brought a little bit of a different quality to the role uh, just because her voice doesn't have the natural belt that either Jesse Mueller or Sarah uh, Bareilles or even a Kat McPhee or um, Jordan Sparks or anybody else or Sierra Renee who's uh, succeeding her. Um, but it's uh, I, I would have liked to have seen that, but I thought this was a good one. And like you said, I, I really enjoy this show. Um, so I'm glad that we have some sort of official pro shot documentation of Jennifer Nettles in it since she's already gone. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick, just because I pulled up the Wikipedia page, the cast for the movie version of Waitress is ridiculous. If you've never seen it, you you need to see it. So let me just run through the cast real quick. Carrie Russell played Jenna. Nathan Fillion played Dr. Pometer. Cheryl Hines played Becky. The aforementioned Adrian Shelley played Don. Eddie Jameson, who, if you don't know him by name, you know him by face, played Ogie. Jeremy Sisto, another TV and Broadway favorite, played Earl. Um, the one and only Andy Griffith played Old Joe. Lou Temple played Cal. Darby Stanchfield from uh, Scandal played uh, Francine Pometer. Um, a really, really great cast for a film that went you know, really quietly in 2007, you know, without a, a lot of fanfare, um, you know, at Sundance and then a wide release. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, you really, really should check it out. It's a it's a really weird, interesting film and I think would give a lot more depth to seeing uh, the musical if and when you're able to do it. All right, Jen. So what else is on your schedule for the rest of the holiday weekend? Well, um, we watched the first episode of Hawkeye last night, and we're going to watch the second episode nice. tonight. I haven't watched either of them yet, so that's on my my schedule too. Well, I I hope at a later date we can talk about the musical number oh, in, yeah. the, in the first episode because yeah. it needs to be discussed. Uh, there's a new HBO Christmas movie we're going to check out called 8-Bit, starring Neil oh, Patrick yeah. Harris mm -hmm. and June Diane Raphael. I want to check that out. And then, um, unfortunately, I start planning for Christmas. You know, there's no rest for the wicked. You know, that's and, that's a that's an unfortunate thing. <laughs> I just want a day. Just want a day. I mean, what do you have to plan for? You're are you, you're staying home. You're not going back east this year, are you? Yeah, but that means I got to ship. I got to yeah. shop. <laughs> you're gonna gotta, you're gonna ship and shop sh and shop. You're going to yeah. ship and shop from home. You're not going out to do any of those things. No, I don't do things that require pants. So I... Thank you, like, pandemic. <laughs> but it's just... Um, I might just take a day, but I'm going to decorate for Christmas. And, uh, you know, we're allowed to listen to Christmas music now. I put the kibosh on it until today. Oh, okay. You're right. And then, you know, we got to talk about all those movies you and I talked about last yeah. time. Yeah, that's true. We got lots of holiday movies to watch. And we need to figure out a time when we are going to schedule the opportunity for us to get uh, through all of the Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist Season 2 that I'm going to have to binge so that we can talk about the Christmas movie, which I'm not... Did you know the date that that is actually being released on Roku? I believe it's next Friday. Next Friday? Okay. So we'll we'll figure out a time for me to be able to binge all of the Season 2 episodes from NBC and then watch that so that we can uh, do another SLIP episode about that. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Cool. All right. Well, that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to this very theatrically 
parady uh, episode of Some Like It Pop. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at bwwmat. Jen, um, we can find you at Eponine Q, correct? That is correct. At E-P-O-N-I-N-E-Q. Let us know what you thought of the performances on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and the subsequent CBS broadcast as well. Um, you can also chime in on anything that we talk about at Broadway Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I hope everyone had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving and have a great start to the holiday season. I will be watching Hawkeye and Tick, Tick, Boom this weekend as I am finally settled after going to New York for two weeks and then to Fort Myers to cover a basketball tournament for three days. I'm back home finally and uh, getting a chance to cross things off my to-do list. So be be paying attention for my thoughts on those things because I'm sure that I will have plenty of them. I can't wait to talk to you about Tick, Tick, Boom and, oh and Hawkeye. I can't wait. Can't wait. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. And um, I will actually have a special interview episode with Ain't Too Proud star James Harkness coming up in the feed on Saturday. So have a great weekend and we will talk to you soon.